I need to find my inner peace for a second. Okay. And welcome to the Save Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. I'm Daniel. And I'm Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? I think. <laughs> Three episodes later, he's establishing himself. He is. And we have two very special guests today with us, starting with... Uh, hello, I am Alicia. That you are, and... I'm Morgan. Hello, Morgan and Alicia. Welcome to the save room. This is our first, uh... What would you call this if this were, like, a pay-per-view special? Is this, like, uh... Heck in a sec? <laughs> heck in a sec? <laughs> yeah. Hell in a cell? No. There's five of us. Oh, okay. Uh, Battle Royale? Battle Royale? Yeah. That's fair. We're Battle Royale time. This is episode 26, if I wrote that correctly. It was the last one, 26. This one's 26. Okay, that's fair. It's 26. And today, we have a few things to cover. Uh, the topic today is mostly a shitty thing that we have referenced before in the past, especially when it comes to our gaming community that we hold so near and dear and are members of, uh, especially when it comes to harassment. So heads up right away but first we're gonna get into some fun news and stuff but what's everyone been doing lately what have you, you been gaming anyone playing video games no i've never played a game in my life okay that's right not one <laughs> no not, not even two nope all right <laughs> <laughs> do we just not have time for games anymore is um, that what it is as adults i don't I think mean, so yeah yeah uh, it's not it's not a new game, but I have been trying my darndest to, to figure out Tabletop Simulator. I'm trying really hard to get it set up to actually play a D&D game, and I only have like five minutes at a time to work on anything, so I'm not really getting okay. very far. Is that on a PC? It's or? on Steam. It's on Steam? It's okay. supposed to be absolutely incredible and wonderful for D&D, and... I just not nothing's happening yet. Can you like legitimately like play like multiplayer with people like? Get yeah, people yeah. To play? You can so, play pretty much any board game on it. Basically, oh, okay. you you get a table simulation, and then you have all of the other people who come into the game. They get like their player stations, and it's just like a D and D table, and everyone it gets actual dice that you like pick up and you actually roll it. So it's not like roll twenty where you just type in the formula and it just gives you a random number. Like it's just it's really cute and it kind of it's a good compromise if you're doing D and D remotely and you, you kinda of want that feel as if everyone's in a room together mm -hmm. because you don't get that with, you know, Roll Twenty or the other apps out there. I'd never even heard of Roll yeah. Twenty oh, before. But I have what, heard of this one. Is this what the Taz boys do? No, they okay. do it all just um audio. It's oh. all just spoken. Yeah, through Skype and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, all five of us, we're actually doing Skype right now. We're not in the same room. I've never seen this, any of them in my life. This is a simulation. Yeah. We look like we're in the same room. It's not happening. Podcast simulator. So can you do any tabletop game? Like if I want to play yes. like Rummy Cube or like yes. Topple? So one thing that I have been trying to figure out is how to put a uh, Jenga tower in <laughs> my D&D game. And it's actually very easy to do. So that's going to be fun. That's neat. Well, that's pretty good. That's even a table flip button. Yeah, you can flip oh, the table and you, you just, you know, control Z it back, but... Oh. <laughs> How often are people flipping tables? Like <laughs> Apparently given... very often, because yeah. it's one of the most advertised functions in this game. <laughs> wow. That's probably all I would do, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think it's like a sequestered world from us, because we're like console gamers, so we miss out on a lot of the PC and Steam stuff. So that's cool that that exists. 
Do you, are you jealous? I'm a little jealous. Yeah, I wish yeah. I had like a good like PC build or a laptop that could run half that stuff. You got a MacBook? I do. It's good. It's, it, it's, <laughs> or maybe it's like second to last leg. You know. I've been telling you, get a new charger for you fucking. Play weeks RuneScape now. on there. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not Minecraft. EverQuest. Yeah, EverQuest. You're yeah. Everhead. Am I? I I feel like you would be. I don't know. Okay. Could probably handle Sims too. Daniel Everhead as I was going to call him. <laughs> he used his last name. Oh, 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 oh my god! You heard it here first. Thirty Episode episodes later. Twenty-six. <laughs> oh man! Now everyone that's chasing you can find. He's gonna it. edit that know. out. That's fine. <laughs> he, this actually will never air. <laughs> I'm gonna lose it on the cutting room floor. So we've been playing a game, Daniel, independently, not together. Yeah, actually, as we I, always do. I picked it up, and I thought you had already had it. So I was like, "Cool, when he comes home that Friday, we're gonna talk about it." And you came to my room, you're like, "Holy shit, you're playing this?" I forgot it came out. Yeah, Sundered. The game is Sundered. It's a oh, yeah. Thunder Lotus uh, joint game. They, <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Uh, they made Jotun, if I'm correct. We talked about this in a previous episode. It yeah. looked really cool, hand-drawn art style. It's a Metroidvania kind of platformer with heavy emphasis on combat it is way more difficult than i expected mm -hmm. uh it's pretty goddamn hard especially when you die in the game and get like overwhelmed which you will get overwhelmed pretty much at any given juncture because the whole game is like procedurally generated when it comes to enemies uh you have to restart the entire section yeah. like not there's no checkpoints you just nope. start at the beginning of the fucking thing and you have to crawl your way through all of it. The previous dungeons. And, like, your map resets, so you have to find, like, all the treasures and everything again. But the lucky thing about that is every time you die, you go back to, like, the central shrine area where you can upgrade your perks and abilities mm -hmm. and become stronger and more advantage for so the it, next So it has that going for it. So, like, it, you don't lose your batch of, like, stats or souls yeah. or, or blood vials, whatever you want to mm -hmm. make the comparison to. It all just kind of accumulates. So you can get stronger when you die, come back and try it again. And you will retry a lot. Yeah. Uh, the grinding is at least fun mm -hmm. uh, when the game isn't struggling to, uh, I guess, comprehend how many enemies are on screen. Or run yeah. properly. It's had, since it came out, like, what, last week, I think? It came out last Thursday, and so far it's already had two patches on console. Three now, actually. Three? Okay. Yeah, three, uh, because the game would crash pretty badly. And, like, it'll crash when it wants. It'll mm -hmm. crash in the loading screen. It'll crash if you die too quickly. Well, there's one time where I died super quick, and it was just like, sorry, dude. I can't compute that. We're done. It'll crash in weird ways where it'll actually, like, disallow you from doing things in the menu, like exiting the game or, like, upgrading your abilities on the shrine. Like, I would go hit X, and it wouldn't actually enable the ability. So I had to restart the game go back in. Um, apparently PC users aren't having quite the same problems that we are, Yeah. but, you know, they, there's more accessibility to fixing and patching through PC. And we, we keep on saying it to each other, like, if it is very off-putting, the condition that the game is in, it's very buggy, it does have a lot of hiccups, especially when there's multiple enemies on the screen, but if there wasn't something really special about it, mm -hmm. like, I wouldn't be playing it. Like, I put up with this bullshit because I think the game's very good. It's fun. It's addictingly fun. Like, I haven't had my hands on a game like this that I, I felt so good playing in a long time. Yeah, my thumbs hurt yeah. really bad because I'm, I'm going straight D-pad with it. It, it. it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good, but I enjoy it. But I would say, like, the platforming is, like, second to none. Like, it really borrows from all the its predecessors and, and builds a cool, unique experience. Oh, yeah. It, it feels the, like a bundle game. It feels like uh, Symphony of the Night. It feels like Metroid. It feels like Strider a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then we had an oddball comparison, too, didn't we? There's another one that it kind of felt like, which was 
kind of like Earthworm Jim. Yeah, in the verticality. It's super vertical, super, super, super vertical levels rather than left to right. Mm -hmm. So it's fun, but, but well, we can get into that game. I think we we're trying to get a little more in depth in like yeah. another. We want to do maybe like a short review episode little, on it because there's a bit to say. A one-off. Um, we're gonna we're gonna pour pour each other a glass of wine and just talk about this uh, this Metroidvania game. Is hell yeah, I'm, I'm about it. That's good. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Babe, you been playing anything? Um. Besides, like, Monument Valley, not really. I saw you get down on Overwatch the other day. Oh, yeah. I was, I was kind of trying out Doomfist, but I couldn't really live up to his fisting's prowess, <laughs> if you will. He outfisted you? Yeah. Um, I, I just... I don't know. He, I feel like he has less HP than he should, being such a melee character. Mm -hmm. And I'm not really... I don't know. I don't really get him, so... But he's on competitive now, so I don't know. Maybe we'll see... A lot more people trying them out because I haven't really at all. Yeah. Yeah. I was waiting for him to go to comp because that's kind of like where I like to test characters out, even if I've never played them. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like Orissa, like I didn't want to play her until she was in comp. Okay. So. Hmm. But yeah, no, he gets like health increases and armor increases based off of damage done. So. I didn't know that yeah. part because I know that like they just buffed Reaper right into doing that same thing. Mm -hmm. Like every time that he shoots a person, he yeah, like, gains he gets, health. Yeah, he gets health. Instead of those little like death orbs, which yeah. I loved. I love the orbs. They're gone. I love little um num 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 orb. Um num num num. Um num 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 num. Yeah, cool. I liked it. He was like, it's just eating souls. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's what I've been doing. Are you still playing Crash, or are you done with oh, Crash? Fuck. I took a Crash course break. The um, sabbatical from the Crash. Yeah. I mean, it's so fucking frustrating, and it's so unforgiving. Even like before when I used to play it as a kid, I fucking owned it, and now I just can't live up to the standard. It sucks. I'm like halfway through all three of them and I just well, can't get over it. It was confirmed that Crash Remastered is more difficult than the original Oh, games. absolutely. Purposely made more difficult. I forget what the reasoning was. Yeah, there was a whole write-up about it. I forget what they said. I, I don't know what it is, <clears throat> but it is. Yeah. So don't feel like bad that it's like, oh, I lost touch. Like, no, no, it's harder. Okay. Yeah. It's also a free level you're not getting. I downloaded it. You did? I did. Did you play it? No. Oh. Cause fuck crash. Okay. Cause fuck crash. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Trevor, you've been engaging in something that is probably one of the most uh, disgusting things I've seen in a video game in quite some fucking time. Um, so what's going on with the mayo versus uh, ketchup? Ketchup. War? Sorry, I can't say it right. That's why you're here. Ketchup. <laughs> so in Splatoon, since, since since the first Splatoon, there have been these things called Splatfests. Yeah. And what it is, is a week leading up to a Splatfest, you choose between one of two things, and you represent that team during the Splatfest, which takes place over the course of 24 hours. Uh, the very first one was Cats versus Dogs. The one before this one was uh, Cake versus Ice Cream. You choose your team, and then you uh, play with other people on the same team as you against people from the other team. Okay. And whoever gets the most wins has the most popularity. There's a few different metrics for who wins. Uh, Everything's up gets, on the up. Gets, yeah, gets, so far. Gets stuff. Uh, the one that happened last night, <laughs> and is still going on right now, was mayonnaise versus ketchup. Uh, Innocuous enough. Yeah, and it was fine. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, okay, two condiments, who gives a f shit? You know, just like, pick one. Uh, we got five of us here. I want to I wanna do a ketchup versus mayo vote. Uh, I mean, I, I I played for Team Mayo, so okay. yeah, I'm Team Mayo. Too. I would be Mayo as well. It's more versatile. You can do yeah. more with yeah. it. Like you can mix it into other things. You can make mm -hmm. spicy mayo. You yeah. can make mm -hmm. wasabi mayo. You can Whoa, make. Whoa, is this unanimous then? You can't make. I think we're all Team Mayo. Hold you up. can't do shit with 
Ketchup. Look, it's just ketchup. Not it's only you can make I Thousand know. Island dressing with the two. <laughs> Here comes the diplomat. <laughs> there you go. Not only is mayonnaise more versatile, yeah, but it is a key component of macaroni salad. <laughs> potato salad and potato salad. Any salad. And that's just enough, right there. Yeah, cool. Um, anyway, so I played for Team Mayo. Now there was a thing even back in the in the first. Uh, Splatoon, where Nintendo was like, we're never gonna do black ink, white ink, or red ink. For very obvious reasons. Okay. Mm-hmm. They broke that rule last night. Two of those three, in one go. White and red? <laughs> there was white and red. And the internet was abuzz with not mayo versus ketchup, but blood versus cum. <laughs> and that's exactly what it looked like. Actually, I disagree. I think it looked like blood and pus. Oh, oh, you're right. Mark. That's you're almost right. worse. Yeah. It did yeah. that yellowish hue. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're in the same ballpark of, of making me want to vomit. I'm going to have to edit watch out his a children's game. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. It was, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, I got over it after the first few matches just because I was, like, getting really into the game. But, like, the first few, just, like, the sound effects and the visuals <laughs> melding together. <laughs> <it was> like, <laughs> It's just like, no, thank you. What is happening? Strawberry Shortcake Edition. Uh, the ESRB rating change overnight. <laughs> Correct. Straight to M. Sorry, uh, kids. I also want to let everyone know that I yeah. became a Mayo King, which is the highest rank you can achieve for your team. Oh. Before I went to bed last Kingliness in our presence. Fuck, I'm sorry. Okay, well, let's... Uh, King of the North is here. I can make you a cake. Bend the knee. Or, or, <laughs> would you like a cake or would you like ice cream? I went for ice cream, I think. Okay. Unfortunately. I should have gone for cake because you can have ice cream cakes, which are the best thing. That is true. Best big fan. I am a big fan. So let's dive into some news, folks. I got some stuff here for you. Uh, Afterwards, feel free to jump in and uh, just, you know, just just pummel me live on air. Got it. All right. Battle Royale. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Battle Royale. Back. Heck in a sec. Uh, Number one on the list here I got the Nintendo Switch is selling. And selling well. Despite an initial stock shortage, Nintendo's hybrid console has sold through 4.7 million units since its launch. That breaks down to an additional 1.96 million units sold since the console's release in March, a month that saw 2.74 million units sold alone. In terms of software, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has sold through 3.54 million units since April. ARMS put up a spring-loaded fight with 1.18 million units sold. Shut up, Daniel. <laughs> and Zelda Wild Style, I think that's a name. I should have fixed this. Uh, continues to dominate the system's attach rate with 3.92 Zelda Wild Style? <laughs> hang, on, hang on there, Trevor. Uh, we'll open it up to the peanut gallery in a second. Um, it continues to dominate the system's attach rate with 3.92 million units sold overall. What, I'm sorry, do we have a correction? <laughs> nope. Wild was Style was yeah. the name of the yeah, lead sure. female character in the Lego movie. <laughs> Am I getting the uh, really? cross-pollination Yeah, I think, I think you're trying to project something here. That I'm a big fan of the Lego movie? Yeah. Or it's just seeping into everything Let's in not life. get into this psychosis. But let's get into the sales numbers. So that's pretty good. So when, when were these posted? Uh, these were posted, I believe, uh, earlier in the week. I think it was on the the first or second actually no i think the 31st of july because i think a big mm-hmm. seller at least were those worldwide numbers yes yeah. worldwide so i think a big seller came out since then 
and that's Dragon Quest Eleven, yes, mm-hmm. which has skyrocketed sales, at least in Japan, mm-hmm. even higher since its launch. Which is surprising to no one who knows how popular that game series is in, in Japan. Yeah. But oh, it's huge. Far more popular. Absolutely huge. Yeah. What Dragon Quest does, it comes out on a new console or a new system, and then it explodes because. For a lot of people, that is the deciding game series for them to buy a system. That's really cool. That's crazy. That's not something you even consider out here. No. Yeah. No, Dragon uh, Dragon Quest, there is... Uh, I'm familiar with it, but I don't have a lot of people that I know that are crazy about it. Uh, not until I met you, Trevor, actually. Well, the weird the weird thing is is that it kind of saw... Like, we got Dragon Warrior 1 through 4. Yeah. And then the Game Boy saw some copies. It tried to capitalize on the whole Pokemon thing with Dragon Quest Monsters. Uh, mm-hmm. Dragon Warrior monsters, uh, but then we they skipped a few, and then we got Dragon Quest Eight on the PS2, which was like a lot of people's first yeah, intro to the series, first. and it's a really good on PS2. PS2. Okay, it's a really really well made game. It's probably one of the better ones. A lot of people's favorites for the same reason why Final Fantasy VII is a lot of people's favorites. Um, you mean eight, right? No, I, I just. <laughs> I mean, like, like the reasoning. You know, it's a lot of people's first entry, and they were Gun like, blades. "Oh wow, this is good." Yeah, squall. Yeah, uh, yeah squall. Yeah, uh, yeah. Monsters for money. Yeah, <laughs> you fight a T Rex in the first hour. You do. It's pretty rad. <laughs> it's amazing. But anyway, um, so we we have actually been absent from it for a while, mm-hmm. and the DS and 3DS have been pretty much the only outlet that we've gotten Dragon Quest games for the past mm-hmm. several years since that PS2 game. Uh, except for a few spinoffs on PS4, but they're, I think they're finally realizing that America wants it as well. Maybe not as bad as Japan does, but people are clamoring for 10, which still doesn't come out here. It's their MMO. Um, so my question is, is Dragon Quest a bigger franchise than Final Fantasy in Japan? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. So what what happened to us where Final Fantasy took that slot? Marketing. Just marketing was yeah, better Square for Yeah, Square Enix just spent money on American marketing. Huh. That's really what it came down to. Interesting. Yeah. Now, the other thing about this news in particular that I want to mention, so we don't have any Splatoon 2 numbers yet, because I feel like, what, that came out like two weeks ago? Less? Yeah. 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 So so we wouldn't. We wouldn't know that. But I'm very interested to see what uh, how that's selling in its first month. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, despite being a kind of an up port, it's done fantastically well. I mean, 3.54 million versus what uh, Zelda's 3.92, mm-hmm. and it's been in a shorter period of time. Oh, shit. Well, like a month. It had a month lead on it. I remember when I was working at GameStop, so the like the pre-orders for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe were like through the roof. Like mm-hmm. there were more for that than anything else, like outside of Zelda, I should say. But yeah, it's not surprising to see that there are so many sales numbers for that. And it's also not surprising to not see a third-party game dominating any of the slots, mm-hmm. which is pretty typical for Nintendo. Um, what would you consider this year? I can't think of a third-party game that would be even break a million. Mario for, for and the Rabbit. Switch. Technically, yeah, huh? Yeah. That'd probably break a million because yeah. of, of the Mario name alone. That's and true. it's like a fun kids game. Mario XCOM. Mario X they, re- they like, rebrand it tomorrow as Mario X with insane rabbit people. Yeah. You know, I do think that um, Stardew Valley, I do mm. believe that it has broken a million on I believe Steam, I guess, mm-hmm. right? I think it's broken a million on Steam. It might actually be 
a very very good seller when it's when its port comes out for That's the switch I what i was that. most looking to pick it up for like because i feel like i'd play that a lot on the go and it yeah. would be good as a portable title mm -hmm. yeah well, and it's launching with the multiplayer yeah that is cool i would uh, pick it up yeah that i don't believe that the uh is it fire emblem that's getting a musou game yeah. Yes, that one, I don't know if that'll hit a million, but I, I know that the people who are fans mm -hmm. are going to lose their so shit. So I'll pick it up because I'll pick up any Warriors game. Yeah. yeah. I have a sickness. I think, And I think you that's one thing that they've got really right there is that you've got the people who will pick up mm -hmm. any of the, the Warrior games and you've got people who will pick up any Fire Emblem game. And I think that'll be good. I was just waiting. Oh, yeah. uh, and I could tell. <laughs> no, uh, well, I just had I, I had a question I wanted to present. Yeah. Does it count if it's technically a third party title that's writing on a first party, a first IP. party IP, Does which both of those are doing? Because Mario Rabbids is being developed by Ubisoft. Who's publishing it? Is it Ubisoft? I think, I think or it's Nintendo? Ubisoft. So I think Ubisoft is just doing the whole thing. I think they might have. I think Nintendo might have like a producer on the team, but like, so, I don't know. I actually, don't know. So at that point, I would lean towards yes. Yeah. I mean, would you consider? Yeah, any of uh, the Warriors games, the crossovers they do, those are third party. They're completely developed and published externally. So. But I guess in the sense, in the sense of like critics complaining about Nintendo not having third party titles. Yeah. Are those kinds of games enough for them to be like, okay, yeah, this counts. That's what I'm saying. I think that the people who are on that boat are so, so dedicated to being on that boat that I don't think that they would give it a pass for any reason because they're the people who are really dedicated to that argument, they just really are dedicated to that argument. Yeah. It's just how that goes. When it comes down to it, the, most of the people that will buy the game don't even care about that argument. They they see the the brands that they like on the cover and they're gonna pick it up. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. if it's a good game. One last point. I think it's important to note that Breath of the Wild has like the highest attachment rate for like any mm -hmm. launch console. Eighty six percent. Yeah. So eighty six percent of Switch owners have Zelda Wild style. I and That's you know, fantastic. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I think it's gonna maintain like at least like seventy five to like a hundred percent in like for the next few years because it's such a demanded title and mm -hmm. granted like it was the only title that people wanted when it came out so that's probably why the attachment rate was so high but that's still impressive i remember people were just buying the game before the console yeah yeah you saw a lot of that happen. so there were more sales for the game than there were even they just wanted it on their shelf the or yeah. like what's well and also if everyone has a shortage of the actual system mm -hmm. itself you may as well get what you can get your hands on before that sells out too and yeah. mm -hmm. if the, the supply and demand situation's a little wonky. People will just kind of grab whatever is within reach. That's true. Uh, I will say, to just cap it off, uh, I believe the prediction for console sales this year was supposed to be around 5 million. Yep. They're going to surpass that. We're not even in the holiday season. So that's really impressive, and I'm actually pretty, pretty happy to see Nintendo console kind of, like, be accepted in the mainstream again, whereas, like, the Wii U... Well, <laughs> we know what happens with the Wii U. But I, I like seeing that. That's it's good. good. They always say that like Nintendo in the, the competitive console space is healthy for the market and creators. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It, it, it keeps people on their A game, yeah. honestly. So that's cool. Past 5 million.
But as long as I can keep the stock, that's it. So let's see. I got another one, fellas. Number two. You thought we were done with numbers? <laughs> no. It, it's been a slow news week. I'm sorry. This one is just a Sudoku game that he did really well on. He just wants to show us. I, just, I was really proud. I'll actually attach a screenshot. When we this. It'll no. just be a cover image. <laughs> uh, Gun Media and Ilphonic have announced that their 1980s summer camp murder simulator, Friday the 13th The Game, has sold over 1.8 million copies digitally. To celebrate, the studios announced a physical edition of the game to launch on, wait for it, ch -ch 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 -ch. you get it, like in the movie? What? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Friday the 13th in October. I didn't know we were having Friday the 13th this year. That's fun. And in October, spooky. Wow. Super spooky times, kids. Uh, the $40 disc includes a bloody Jason skin variant for everyone's favorite mama's boy. Mr. Wes Keltner of Gun Media states, quote, while things haven't been uh, completely smooth, we definitely feel confident moving forward. The team has grown, and we are committed as we work to add more content, more kills, more to do, and of course, the single player component to the game. This game's been on my radar for a little while. Like, you, I've, you've been talking about it since it launched. Yes, I Before have. Before even. Yeah. Before even. Because we did a, a piece on it like six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we were in the old apartment yeah. still talking about this game. I should just pick it up. It seems like my style. It's just what, what has put me off is that, yeah, it had a really rough launch. It was very, very buggy, server issues galore. And the way that its asymmetrical multiplayer is set up is that, like, the lion's share of the fun that you're going to have in the game is playing as Jason Voorhees. And the rest of the game is like, fuck, this is frustrating. Yeah. But that kind of cat and mouse style that they did, which I won't say is original to them, I think Dead by Daylight did a really good job with that kind of style of gameplay, too. Uh, there's something thrilling about seeing it. I've been watching a lot of videos of it. I'm like, shit. And I'm, I'm happy that it, like it's finding its kind of stride rather than just being collapsing in on itself. You know, I think it had a lot of success from like uh, Twitch streamers, uh, kind of funny, like mm -hmm. the bigger names in games media. Like they kind of like repulsed it, like, hey guys, check us out, watch us play us on stream, have fun with us, and it got more people interested in it. I also think <laughs> that a competitive aspect to horror games is fantastic because it does such a good job at at giving you that emotional response you know that there is actually a person like a real live person coming after you and there's not a whole lot that you can do to replicate yeah. that kind of feeling mm -hmm. to i think that makes it very very um appealing as a horror title and i know it, it I don't know if it's really been marketed so much as that, as much as just a competitive, you know, fun slasher. I don't really know how they've been marketing it, but as far as horror games go, it's hard to get that kind of emotional response when, you know, usually it's not an actual live person yeah. trying to kill you. I think the last horror game that gave me that sort of response was maybe, like, Left 4 Dead, in terms of, like, online horror games. Yeah, kind of, sort of. I mean, yeah. I know other games have gone for this kind of, like format uh more famously evolve had that same kind of shift between 4v1 yeah bullshittery <laughs> bullshittery is what it was but I, I i feel like a part of this game's success where it's like okay by all accounts i'm pretty sure dead by daylight is a better game i know that <laughs> reviews say that playing it is that but here's the problem nostalgia yeah people like this ip people like friday the 13th it's got mm -hmm. people that maybe not wouldn't be interested in playing that 
type of game like Dead by Daylight, just on you know its genre alone, would gravitate towards Friday the 13th, because they're like, shit, I know Jason, I like this, I understand what you're doing, I understand the references. Yeah. There, there's a part in the game where you have to get uh, his mother's sweater in order to finally like actually defeat him. you got to go through this convoluted like process to that, and I think that's such a cool throwback into its design. It, it looks it looks awesome. I kind of want to pick it up. Whereas like Dead by Daylight, although it's like a superior title, like it had trouble establishing itself as something that people recognize because mm-hmm. the branding wasn't quite there. Um, I have a sidebar for you mm-hmm. because you said with the disc, it's going to come with a single player campaign. They didn't even say that. They you, said that there's a disc coming out mm-hmm. and they're working on a single player component to the game. Yeah. They didn't say it's going to launch with the disc. Okay. <laughs> they made sure not to promise. Okay. Or overpromise. Well, how do you say. think that's going to play out though? I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea what they're trying to do with a single-player campaign. I can't even fathom. Are you just playing as a camper? Are you playing as Jason? Are mm-hmm. you... is the, What is it? Is it just the, the multiplayer component, but with AI? Which I think would be kind of a hollow experience, because a lot of the fun mm-hmm. is the fact that you're dealing with other human players. I don't know, and I'm kind of, like, very nervous about that. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I feel like so far gone in, they don't need to do it. You, you don't. I know you promised that you would. You just don't. Maybe maybe throw in a bots mode and say, hey, that's what we worked on. Don't. Mm. What are you trying to do? It may be too much. Especially it might like, cheapen the experience. They're a smaller dev. They have other things to focus on. And I don't know if that's the correct course to take with this title. Yeah. I think for a smaller team, I think their um, priority should be QAing and making sure the servers are good. Like having more reliable servers for a game like that. Because as it gets more groundswell, people are going to want to play it more. Mm-hmm. And, you know. Just want to make sure it's at its top performance. Oh, uh, going on that though, they did specifically say that they have increased the size of their team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't know how much. We yeah. don't know if maybe they have a separate unit who is going to be dedicated to the single player component or what have you. Mm-hmm. So, um, they they seem to know where they need to put their resources. Yeah, I'll trust them. That's fair. So are we all getting this game? Can we just can we get this and can we all be camp? There's campers? five of us. I'm still That's waiting. For there's it five to drop. of us. We can we can all fight and kill each other. Yeah, nice. as friends should. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I mean, this is a battle royale, so I'm pretty <laughs> sure you can sabotage other campers in the game too. Absolutely. Oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. <laughs> Wait, what is this out for? Uh, right now it's, it's on PC. It's on PS4. It's on Xbox One. Oh shit. Yeah. So it's I thought out. we were talking about the NES game. No. <laughs> this whole time. God. Damn it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's funny you should mention, they do have that skin in the game for, for Jason. Do they actually? His, the weird, his, like, purple Yeah, one? his purple and blue mask. That's up. awesome. Yeah, they they really do. That might have just sold me on the game, actually. <laughs> actually, their, their skins are really cool references. They had one where Tom Savini came in and designed an entire Jason from the ground up. Oh. Uh, and I was like, what? Like, that's awesome. They, they know this IP. It's not just like... Fuck! What is this? Friday? Th- okay, let's let's do whatever game we were doing anyway, and just blend it with this IP. No, they made it for Friday the Thirteenth, so that's why I still want it pretty badly. I mean, I'm more of a Halloween fan, but yeah, yeah. Jason just looks cooler. Like you have yeah. to admit, the hockey mask and the machete, and and he's just a, a, a zombie kind of hockey mask and a machete. Like I probably went to school with five of those. Oh, shit. So, <laughs> eh. You went to school with Jason Voorhees. <laughs> Probably. Five times? <laughs> How many times have been in high school? I mean, he was reborn like 20 times, so it's possible. It truly is unstoppable. <laughs> he still can't pass the ninth grade. That's why he's so upset. Yeah. <laughs> I have more horror game stuff, guys. Okay. Because oh. that's what I do. Number three. 
Uh, and because uh, also we're contractually obligated by Capcom to mention Resident Evil at least once an episode, uh, unless they actually take away our podcast name, that, that that's a true fact. Uh, they called me about that. I have some Resident Evil news pertaining to Resident Evil today. Resident Evil is finally making its way to the Nintendo Switch, uh, but not Part 7. <laughs> actually, <laughs> God damn it! actually... It's Resident Evil Revelations 1 and 2, the pair of spin-offs that attempted to marry the series' modern uh, penchant for action with old-school scares. The two-pack will release in stores for $39.99 sometime this fall, or you can download the titles individually at $19.99 each. Additionally, an upscaled version of the first Revelations is hitting Xbox One and PS4 on August 29th. I like that this game finally boomeranged back into back into Nintendo's ball court mm-hmm. because the original Revelations was 3DS exclusive mm-hmm. back Wait. in the day. Revelations. Revelations. I had that one. I still do. You you have the misprint. <laughs> so there was a misprint on the box for the 3DS. And, uh, it's actually worth money. Yeah, it, it was so a brilliant idea. I love that. Yeah, people were actually. When I was still working at, remember Play and Trade back mm-hmm. in the day, people were calling us specifically to see for if we Revelations. had the, mis- the misprint edition of it. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. He's got it. I, he has That's it. amazing. Yeah. Revelations. <laughs> so, I'm enthused for a couple of reasons. One, um, I like, well, I like Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> I don't know if you guys, no. I don't know if we've talked about this at length over the course of at least 14 of our episodes, uh, but I do. Revelations, I enjoy. They're not perfect. They really aren't perfect. I know they're going for more of a horror vibe. It still comes off as kind of the stepchildren of 4 and 5, specifically Part 5. Um, I like them. Revelations 2 is an improvement, if a low-budget improvement, which is really odd about that game, because there is a lot of recycled assets from Resident Evil 6 in that game, but there is one thing that makes me su- there is there is one thing that makes me super excited about uh, Revelations 2 is that raid mode. Trevor, we talked about the Mercenaries game for. 3DS. I want to play Mercenaries all the time. Yeah, it's so good. Raid mode is the better version of Mercenaries. Okay. And this game will only be twenty bucks. We can play online together on our Switches. Are you getting? Your, are you getting it on the Switch? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, then we will definitely be playing. It on I the have no qualms about buying Resident Evil games more than once. I've bought Part Four at least four times in my life. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. GameCube, PS2, PS3, and PS4. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I think I have it only twice at the moment. Yeah? The GameCube and the Wii. Which yeah. I heard the Wii is the definitive version. Even still, to this day. Who? I'd still give it to GameCube. Who said this? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've read it on multiple occasions. I don't have a source at the moment, but we can talk about that later. We can, we can get into it a little, little bit later. I think the cool thing about this is they do this great thing with their ports and their remasters where they put them at such an attractive price. Yes. Like, I think all the ports have been 20 bucks. Yes. Um, and that really helps with their sales number. That helps people get back into the games or play them for the first time if they didn't play them when they were initially launched. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Yeah, uh, they've actually seen a lot of success with uh, doing that for... 4, 5, and 6. 4, 5, and 6. Yeah, they like put they it on PS4 and Xbox One for 20 Astronomically bucks high numbers like over the summer. Like Together, they sold yeah. like 3 million units like of all three of those games, which uh, initially people considered Part 6 a failure. I would say critically, yes, but financially, no. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, yeah. uh, I want to see the same for Revelations. Obviously, there seems to be support for these spinoffs, and I think it's the right direction for the series to do when it comes to spinoffs because we've seen the series do really hellaciously bad fucking spinoffs. Uh, and I'm talking about we're going back to PS2 era with what Dead Aim and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Ugh, Revelations is 
it's a step in the right direction. So I like that it's coming out for the console. I hope it means we're going to see maybe something more on Nintendo Switch specifically. Yeah. Maybe something that is exclusive to it. That'd be cool. Would be cool. Something that, that has the uh, the framework for the system in mind for it. Um, whereas, like, then, you know, the other systems will get more iterations of what 7 did. Because mm-hmm. I don't think they're ever going to put 7 on Switch. Would you want to see it on the Switch? Oh, fuck yeah. Okay. I would be fine with that. Uh... Do I necessarily think it's going to be the best experience of that you could have with Seven? Maybe not, but I think it would be fun for them to try. I mean, that's what Mercenaries and Revelations was. They actually experimented on the 3DS to see if they could put Resident Evil Five on there, and they succeeded. Even though the draw distances were really bad and they had to lower the polygon counts like crazy, they were just like, "Shit, we can do this." So what can we do next? So I would love to see them experiment in that way. Maybe try to put Seven on there, and then be like, "Cool, let's make a spin-off using this framework." That'd be cool. But in the meantime, they got to basically kickstart themselves by re-releasing yeah. old games for 20 bucks. They know what they're doing with that franchise, it seems, among mm-hmm. all their franchises. Uh, for Is anyone disappointed that that's what their the direction they're go- Capcom's going in? Just like, hey, we're just going to put our older games on there. Rather than like, hey, let's maybe put something new? Well, of the direction that certain companies have gone... This is a good one. Mm-hmm. It's not Pachinko. I'll take it. They're bringing <laughs> back classics true. for people who love this series or mm-hmm. people who are just coming into the series. Um, they are reinforcing and building their audience for new stuff, whatever it may be coming out in the future. I think that they're doing a really good job at reinforcing their brand. And it's not Pachinko. It's not <laughs> Pachinko. That's 2017's motto. <laughs> At least it's not Pachinko. Well, yeah. here's... Here's my thing, is I I think on one hand, re-releasing an older title multiple, multiple times in the course of uh, not very long uh, is ultimately not a good thing, Mm -hmm. because then you're kind of alienating people, but, uh, and you're not, you're you're spreading out those sales or the newer ones don't get sold as much, like Skyrim's coming out for the Switch, I don't see as many people buying it on the Switch because they own it like 30 times. Yeah. Alicia's the exception. She'll buy it again. <laughs> I will buy I'll, it as many times as I need to. <laughs> but what I was going to what I was going to say is a lot of these bigger companies that have the resources or have the access to resources to port an older title or a group of older titles in a collection usually outsource it to a smaller team, mm-hmm. which ultimately I think is a great idea mm-hmm. because they get these newer developers these smaller teams to get familiar with their older titles that these more seasoned veteran people that have been with the company forever have worked on and are now working on to the next one so that when eventually they retire these other people can come in with the same kind of knowledge and and handling with the older titles and, and kind of carry that torch you know and, and that that kind of movement happens a lot with those kinds of uh, situations and you know that, that if you if you play a port right now mm-hmm. nine times out of ten you're going to see a company logo in the beginning that isn't on the original and that's that team that worked on that port usually usually that's the case um and and i think that's a good thing mm-hmm. and it also introduces newer gamers who weren't around or can't find them without spending loads of money on ebay yeah. uh, to play play those older older titles that makes sense i do think that if, if you do risk a level of fatigue, especially yeah. with this branding, uh, because as you pointed out, within five years, Revelations 1 and 2 released, and they were released on no less than six platforms each. 
So that, yeah, you can run into some trouble there where people are just like, oh, fuck this. This is probably just some old... Even if there is, like, new additions, which there are to the Switch version, including in the raid mode, people may just, like, skim over it and be like, oh, okay, cool. But it's cool for me because I'm a super fan, but I understand that, that there's, you know, that's a small percentage of what they're trying to go after in the market as far as, like, a port goes. Well, I think Revelations and Revelations 2 were kind of had a confused development and release because mm-hmm. um, Revelations was on the 3DS Correct. which the previous game to come out besides Mercenaries because that came out before Revelations the mm-hmm. previous game to come out was 6 and that was not on a single Nintendo console mm-hmm. no. uh, and then Revelations 2 came out not on a Nintendo console so At it's all. like these people that had Revelations on the 3DS may not have had the console to play Revelations 2, which also released in an episodic format. It did. Which was also confusing. And Over annoying. one month. Over one month. Which is also weird. It was also... So it's like... I still haven't bought Revelations 2. Yeah. I haven't re-bought Revelations. Huh. And for someone like me who originally bought it on its first launch, you know, that coming out with Revelations 2 in a single pack is a good thing for me. Yeah. Um... And I think that'll resonate with a lot of people who didn't buy into it before. Because then they're both right there. They're both on the same fucking console for the first time ever. Like, I think what? I think PS3 is the only console that has had both. Uh, Revelations yes, and Revelations 2. Because yeah, I don't think Xbox Revelation. 360 had Revelations. Uh, it did, actually. It 360 did? and PS3 okay, got Revelations so, so both 1. of those have it then. And then it got... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But PS4 has not had both. No, nope. uh, or Xbox or One. Or Xbox One has had both. It's 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 a weird release thing. And so I, I'm really into the idea of both of them coming yeah. out at the same time together. And these games are have been caught between generations, oddly enough. I remember Revelations coming out when, like, PS4 and Xbox One were ramping up. Mm-hmm. And it was, like, the tail end of it. it it's, it's weird. But I, I like, yeah, I like having a bundled set. I wanted to see them do a bundled set for consoles as well, but, yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, buddy? I think, I think my big takeaway for this is um, ports, I, I think they're a good thing. Um, not you, you say they're alienating. You said what the, you said about them. But I think it's good because it's like a vow of... I forget what you said. It, there was a good word. I said, I said a lot of stuff. Yeah. No, you said what Alienating was a small part. But yeah. No, no, I pointed to Kevin when I said that part. But I think it's good because it'll give other companies a vow of confidence, especially third party, to be like, okay, cool, we can port our title and maybe take other leaps with the Switch. Um, I think that's good for Nintendo mm-hmm. and getting more um, games and party support. So, hopefully they do well. Daniel, you want to talk about some boys for a little bit? Uh, yeah, bring the boys noise. I want to talk about some boys for a little bit. Trevor, don't walk away when we talk about boys. Boys I'm noise. I'm just grabbing a drink! Alright, he can hear our boys noise. Uh, after a rough closed beta stymied by server issues, Final Fantasy XV's multiplayer mode is receiving a second test run. Comrades is a co-op expansion pitting up to four players as members of the Kingsglaive. Players can create their own avatar in a surprisingly deep character creator and set off a multiplayer quest. The DLC will house exclusive weapons, attack styles and gear sets, and eventually inject Noctis and his boy band into the proceeding as playable characters. Square Enix has just needs to get the damn mode up and running first. From the official FF15 Twitter, quote, Next week, we'll release an update to improve matchmaking in the FF15 Comrades closed online test, that's a lot to say, and do another test between August 11th and 13th. Understandably, no release date for Comrades has been announced. Yes. I'm going to need you to repeat all of that because I tuned out the moment you said avatars. (laughs) Oh, was it avatars? Did you guys say avatars? Whatever. (laughs) He's my favorite. Avatar, the last air. Avatars? 
Come on. I was, it was in the flow. Is there, an e? is there an E after the A? There's a lot of things. I don't think so. There's so many letters in this paragraph I wrote. I can't, I can't enunciate Are every single vegetables? one of them. Listen, give me the unique unork... Wait. Oh, okay. Unique I unork got bit. Give it to me. Anywho. Boys. This is boys. exciting. Boys. Are, I'm excited by boys. Because we, okay, we got the game at launch and we blew through the platinum within a month and then we just put it down. And that was kind of when the game was at its yeah. lowest form. In its lowliest form. It's gone through so many updates and uh -huh. patches and it has so many cool things added onto it that we've missed out on the game like kind of in its peak life. We sure as shit did, but I really <laughs> burned myself out of playing that game because yeah. I played it literally like every day for like six hours. Yeah, you More than the that. hell out of that game. More than that? Yeah, I punched that I would that go game. to bed. And I would wake up and you'd still be with those boys. You would hear that fucking gas station theme every day. <laughs> yes, Trevor? I just gotta say, I'm so glad I waited. I haven't played the game yet. Yeah, actually, you would probably uh, be playing the best version of the game at this point. I'm pretty excited about that. Because they even fixed that one chapter that was really, really, really heinous. And I'm still not going to play it until I beat Lightning Returns. I don't, don't think one informs the other, but I, 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 I like your moxie. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, actually. Have you beaten Lightning Returns? No, because I don't want to dip back into the Final Fantasy thirteen pool. You paid, You played 300 hours of thirteen. Okay, yeah, I'm good. Okay. I love you're 13. You're good at it, or are you good forever? I'm good forever. Okay. I'm, in, I'm in that minority camp that loves 13. The only 13 I want is Red 13, okay? Oh my god. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? The Final Fantasy seven dog. Yeah. Okay, but... <laughs> So, hold on. You did a little <laughs> bit of the music from, I'm assuming, the gas station. Yeah. I haven't played anything from 15. Was that a callback to Final Fantasy VI soundtrack? Yeah, it's kind of like a honky-tonk, like, country-sounding thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, so it was a callback for, for that one, I don't remember the name of that, that track in Six. Is that a callback? Yeah, they do a lot of callbacks oh, in that game. Like, the sound That's design adorable. and the music is really great in that You can game actually listen reason. to every single Final Fantasy soundtrack in your car, yeah. and you can buy them from random gas stations. It's so cool. And just pop in, like, a CD and be like, hey, I'm jamming to all of the greatest hits from well, 12. Even outside of that, you can walk around because you get an MP3 player, and you can walk around while you're killing That beasts. was the best. That's really cute. Yeah. I like this game so much. Yes, it is probably not where the game should have been after, like, ten years of development and going through, like, three title changes mm -hmm. and, and changing from one console to another halfway through its uh, development cycle. But it's a charming game. Yeah, it's got so much heart. Such a hectic development cycle. Oh, yeah. You have to expect that there are going to be a few things mm -hmm. kind of frayed around the edges. That's just oh, what yeah. happens when it takes a long Con time and it passes hands between teams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Considering other games that have been in similar development hells, uh, Duke Nukem Forever, Last mm -hmm. Guardian, games like that, that came out a lot worse off. How do you mean? Those are both 10 out of 10 in my book. Were they? Yeah. I'm Get sorry. Out of my house. I, I play those side Get by side out of my every house. day. <laughs> Leave my home. I'm the lone voice here because I actually really enjoyed The Last Guardian. Get but the fuck out of here. We fought about you this. You leave for my a while. house. We too. fought about this on air. Like, you know. There's. Look, I'm getting look, frustrated thinking about that. Last game. Guardian is the best version of Nintendogs, I'll give it that, but like... <laughs> wow. Any other merits are just gone. Okay. <laughs> so The Battle Royale has begun. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play this game co-op. It's something that I was thinking, because mm -hmm. like you travel with a group of, of three other young boys, uh, which is my Man. favorite premise for a video game ever, and... <laughs> 
<laughs> don't make faces. <laughs> but now, I was always thinking, damn, I wish, like, you know, when we were playing, like, you know, again, playing the same game simultaneously, mm -hmm. but not together, yeah. I was like, man, I just want to be with my boy. Yeah. But let's hang out and beat up T-Rex creatures and weird, weird dog antler... And Jabberwocks. Beasts. It looked like a hyena slash deer slash abomination. Yeah. It looked like a Pokemon that was just like a little too grim dark for the cover of a game. It looked like one of those mega Pokemon, but it went wrong. It's like Chimera Hell. Yeah. But it would always Edward. turn into like the greatest Stop. ramen soup. You get out of here right now <laughs> for dropping a Full Metal Alchemist reference. I was thinking about dropping one of those references. I'm glad someone did. You're welcome. <laughs> My heart hurts for Nina. It's okay. Pour one out for Nina. <laughs> Do we pour it out? <laughs> um, so I I like it. I want to get into it. I, you have to buy the season pass for it. Isn't that season pass like what, like 25, 30 bucks or something? Yeah, 30 bucks. Hey, wait three more months and it'll all be in one disc. That's what I'm waiting for. But I already have that deluxe disc that came with Kingsglaive. Yeah, we have the best disc for that. Yeah, starring, uh, what's his face? Jesse Sean Pinkman. B Jesse Pinkman, Sean Bean. Yeah. Sean Bean. Uh, Sean Bean. Lena Headley. Yes, yep, it had an all-star cast of That's people that did cast. not want to be there. <laughs> you could obviously yeah, tell. Like, what is this for? Yeah. Like, what are these I fucking guess. lines? I think they tricked uh, Lena Headley into thinking it was just like some ADR she had to do for Game of Thrones <laughs> or something like that. That's how they got in some of those lines. Game of Thrones Telltale 2. Wasn't well, she playing Luna Freya? Yeah, she was Luna that's Freya. That's fucking weird, because yeah. that's not who plays her in the game. There was this weird disconnect between watching the anime and then playing the game where like none of the voice actors carry it over. I, I love <laughs> I love that movie specifically because it's the only time where a prequel gives you even less context than the source material. Like you watch it and I'm more fucking confused. My one takeaway was about the loose eye and that's it. That's it, that's all. <laughs> you put on a ring, you talk to the ghost. That's, that's great. <laughs> that that's the point of that movie. I actually summarized all of it in two seconds for you. The yeah. anime was really good though. The anime Ooh, was boom. The anime was really oh, good. Oh, yeah. Really, really called? good. It was uh, Brotherhood. Brotherhood, yeah. It was really cute. It yeah, was. It like, went back into, like, you know, their backstories, and it, I thought it was, like, really, really good. There's, like, more characterization in that YouTube anime than there is you in all the You know why Prompto is Prompto. Yeah. Yeah. My boy. He's prompt. Oh. Oh. And hmm. also, he had to get rid of a donut habit. Yes, he did. Was, like, his whole backstory. He was, he was a little chunkster. He was a little chunkster. Yeah. And then one day he was just like, man, Noctis is a cool dude. I want to hang out with Noctis. Yeah. God. And other best buds. I want to revisit this world. I know it's such a flawed, like, game in the series, and maybe it's not the best representation of Final Fantasy at all, but I fucking love it. I do. I love 15. I know. Mm. I know people are weird about that. But it's okay. It's, it's young It's young days yet. Let's get, like, two releases after and then go back and be like, you know what? 15 wasn't a trash fire. Yeah. 17 was. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, trying to find one game that can define that entire series mm. that has evolved so drastically for the last several generations, I think is a fool's errand. Yeah, You're not going to find one that's going to define the rest of the series. The most consistent the series has ever been was literally decades ago, mm -hmm. and those games don't define the later half of no. the series. That's true. So, it, is so 15 is its own kind of masterpiece, set aside from the rest. <laughs> it's a masterpiece as long as you don't compare it to anything. You or other open world you, games. You cannot compare any Final Fantasy games to any other games, because they're always kind of their own thing. What's going to happen is when they do the Game of the Year edition for Final Fantasy, they're going to put like our quote on the box, It's incomparable! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Save room says. <laughs> That's what it is. The safe room says, don't try to compare it to anything else. Just don't. Just look the other way and enjoy. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> Hanging with the boys edition. <laughs> don't you give me the spin. <laughs> My producer says we need to move on from this boys noise. <laughs> Okay, my last bit of news I have here before we move on, and you know, with our lives. Uh, if you're a fan of dancing and JRPGs about teenagers infiltrating people's psyches, have I got some news for you. At st- Everyone's so confused when I write stuff. You should see, I wish this wasn't a podcast. If we film this, I love everyone's like, kind of, they do the puppy dog like, what? Or I have my face on my hands and is I'm just it, shaking my head. Is it me? <laughs> Anywho... Atlas has announced not one, but three Persona spinoffs. Persona 3 Dancing Moon Knight and Persona 5 Dancing Star Knight are slated for the PS4 and Vita come spring 2018 in Japan. Both games build off the rhythm game format of Persona 4 Dancing All Night, where each game's ensemble cast dance to the remix beats of their respective soundtracks. There's some other story about hunting down shadows or something. Let's not get into that. The third title is Persona Q2, a sequel to the 3DS crossover Dungeon Crawler. Nothing beyond a teaser was shown for this later title, but it's been strongly hinted hinted that Persona's five Phantom Thieves will make the cast. Not a single one of these titles have been confirmed for a U.S. release, unfortunately. Has anyone played the dancing spinoff one? Yes. Is it good? No. Really? (laughs) It's good enough to make sequels. Like I had, I had fun with it, but like, not enough. Is it just that it's like not what you look for in Persona? I've no. Well, it's not. It's not Persona at all. The story was yeah. complete trash. Mm-hmm. It was garbage. Fair. Um, and for a rhythm game, it was actually kind of clunky. It had, it had a similar take to it as the Miku That's rhythm the games. Hatsune Miku rhythm games. The input, the input leg was was a bit much too, because uh, the way they lined up was kind of like not super accurate, and they didn't go with the beats very well on a lot of the songs, and it just wasn't a super well made rhythm game. Uh, Persona Q, on the other hand, was uh, amazing and very difficult. If you like the Persona Crew mm-hmm. and you like Etrian Odyssey or any kind of dungeon crawler type game uh that game is really well done and i had a lot of fun playing that one i'm way more interested in that one honestly than the rhythm game ones especially for someone that only has a glancing knowledge of persona i've just played five mm-hmm. and i'm nowhere in that game my I, like anywhere i'm like maybe 20 percent through the story but i really enjoy it i really enjoy the world i really enjoy the how the story is told uh, the characters are cool shit, too, but I don't know if I necessarily want to see a spinoff where they're all dancing all the time. No. Unless you're really into rhythm games and really into those soundtracks, you probably don't need to spend the money on it. Um, but yeah, Persona Q is like a first-person dungeon crawler where you put together a team of four of your favorite favorite uh, teenage demon tamers. <laughs> uh, and you just go and wreck shit, and it's, and it's a lot of fun. That sounds fun to me. Yeah. Uh, for the dancing games, I remember the hype that happened with the first one for Persona 4, and it made a lot of sense because the Persona games are really, really known for their soundtracks. Mm -hmm. They have really 
good solid soundtracks that really well encompass the the feel of the game they do a really good job on the soundtrack for the dancing all night soundtrack the remixed versions i remember just as we were listening to the soundtrack we kept on saying i've heard a better remix done by a fan mm. i've heard a better remix on oh, youtube and, right. and it just felt like with a lot of these official remixes it really missed the mark on what about these songs the fans love and relate to and what about these songs make them memorable and i would like to see for these n next upcoming games soundtracks that maybe hit the mark a little bit better i would love to hear official remixes that just feel still like they belong in the game mm -hmm. yeah the, they didn't even have the original tracks on the game Ugh. it was all it was all remixes and like a good percentage of them were not well done well, they are so confident that they can get it right this time, they're doing it twice. And, and releasing would, it on Vita. And I would, love, I would love for them to be right. I really, really yeah. hope that they... Because uh, I love those soundtracks. They're good soundtracks. They're solid. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear official remix soundtracks that uh, actually fit the series. So when it comes to spinoffs, can we agree that Persona 4 Arena is probably the more competent offshoot of the series. That game was a lot of Q. fun. Yeah. That game was a lot I've of heard fun. nothing but good things about that game, especially from like actual fighting mm -hmm. game fans. Well, the nice thing is it kind of bridged a gap between 3 and 4, because mm -hmm. you had some of the... Because it takes place a few years after... 4 takes place a few years after 3, and then Arena takes a few years after 4. So you actually see some of the characters from 3 all grown up, and like they actually have things they're doing with their lives. <laughs> And it's actually, they, they, they kind of tap into that story. So it's kind of cool seeing that lore a bit. Yeah, that's uh, actually really interesting. Yeah. Generally with JRPGs, once people aren't teenagers, they just don't exist anymore. Like, right. why are they even still, you know, why, what do you care what they're doing? They're not in high school. If they have a that's birthday in the game, they just get, like, executed, right? In that yeah. weird, yeah. That weird Logan's run, <laughs> Logan's run JRPG style, yeah. That actually sounds like a really bomb-ass idea for an RPG. Like, once you graduate, we'll hunt you down. <laughs> that, that would sound cool. Oh my god. That's Persona 6, confirmed. I mean, it might be. Honestly, at that, that point. That series has been darker. Yeah. Babe, you gotta play Persona. I think you'd enjoy it. Which one? Five? Uh, whichever one you can get your hands on, to be honest. I mean, I was looking for three. I hear three's amazing. Three is my four's. personal favorite. I have a copy of three. Do you? I do. For what? And I still have the PS2. I still have oh, PS2 too. Yeah. We have two PS2s. That was actually my first entry that's like into a the PS4. series, and I was like, what's going on with this game? I'm shooting myself in the head, but why? Oh, uh, that's the first game that does that. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't understand. And there's kind of, like, a weird story cool. bit between 2 and 3, where, like, 3 kind of is starting on its own, mm -hmm. because a big thing happened. 2 is actually broken into two parts, and the second part of 2 kind of significantly changes the world. I don't want to spoil too much, but... Uh, I don't know how many people are actually going to go back to play 2, though. Yeah. I, I agree, I don't and, think And that's one thing, is that I've noticed a lot of people, because uh, I think the first... Persona game that I sat down and really played was one on PSP. Oh wow! And yeah, it's a very different. There's a lot of things about the world and about the the context of what the player goes through that you no longer see three onward. And there's a lot of like context 
that really informed why you had these powers and why you were doing these things that you don't get anymore. And I think it's interesting because it's also kind of the point that you're not supposed to know after two. It's, it's neat. It's neat how people take something very different away from the series depending on where they came in. Hmm. Yeah, three is a good place to start is the end of that. Yeah. Sorry. But if you want to, if you really enjoy the Persona series, going back and playing one and two and two point five, uh, I will are definitely worth it. I will say, j having jumped into into fucking five, I'm not lost. I, I I like this first contact with the world. I think they do a good job of just like, hey, you don't necessarily need the context of the previous mm -hmm. games. It helps, but w here's a very self-contained story that you can enjoy on itself. Yes. I like that about the, the series a lot. Uh, Final Fantasy has been really good about that, and I mm -hmm. think that's something that like. Um, you don't see in a lot of Western games. They really do build off of each other and your knowledge of the entire series. Mm -hmm. And we also see that that's a huge problem in comics, too. Where it's just like, what do you mean you don't know what happened in issue 176? Whereas, like, Japanese games are like, you're good. Just just know that uh, when you rip off your face mask, you become a monster. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> if it's really important, there might be a codex entry. Eh. Right, exactly. Shrug. <laughs> And even then, it would be kind of, like, cryptic and, like, what is this about? Yeah. But I, I like that. I like that, the, the intrigue being built there. What was your one takeaway from Persona 5? I got real close I, to you there, I, I wanna, I? I, I've been thinking about the entire time we're thinking about oh. this dancing game, this Hatsuno Miko simulator. <laughs> wow. You think about Ooh, this a lot? Uh, get out of my house. Why are you still here? My buddy Burke loves that game, really actually. Does. What's that He's one really song good. that you really love from Persona 5? Oh, uh, Beneath the Mask? Yes. I'm a shapeshifter. <laughs> I, I, I pose masquerade. <laughs> At any point when he was playing this game, I could either hear the song creeping out from under his door, okay. or I would hear him singing it. No shit. Sometimes I would just put on the game and not play it just to have that theme loop. I love that song. Loves it. There's two different versions, too. There's like a little broken down version where it isn't the full instruments, and she kind of <laughs> sings it more laid back, and then there's a the full version that's like, all right, copyright strike. <laughs> Our first copyright strike. Honestly, like maybe 43% of the reason I want to jump in back, back into that game, besides it being a pretty phenomenal game, is the music. Yeah. For sure. So that's why I was kind of interested in Dancing All Night. Now I hear it's just dub remixes yeah. of these songs. I don't need they, Hopefully they'll do better with the new ones. I'm but. really yeah. hoping that they'll do better because the soundtrack is fantastic in this series and I'd like for them to do justice by it. Yeah, true enough. But I think right here is perfect time to take a break. Yeah. Uh, rather than have the listeners at home listen to us uh, pee in sequential order or at the same time. I don't know. Maybe we can get creative. Talent. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to dive into our topic, so stick around. Cool, and uh, we're back. Gonna do a neat tweet here. You got a neat tweet? A neat tweet, yeah. Kevin's favorite thing. It's kind of like yes. our side thing. It, 
it's, it's going to springboard <laughs> from our side thing. Article shout out into a neat tweet into our topic. What part of this actually makes money? What what? Is this? <laughs> I think I think we need to not focus on side things until the main thing. Hold on, something. am I getting paid? Yes. Yes. In time lost. In time lost. Yeah. What do I do with all these fucking hours on a Saturday? I know what. <laughs> Waste them. So this one's going to kind of branch into our topic. We've done similar topics like this in the past um, about conduct, uh, harassment, and just general behavior in the industry. Which it just keeps on coming up. It keeps on coming up. Uh, This is, I don't know, Save Room Saves the World Part 5. I don't know. Um, But the article originally was by uh, Heather Alexander of Kotaku. Um, She did a 24-year retrospect on Earthworm Jim. It's titled, Earthworm Jim's Mean-Spirited Satire Doesn't Hold Up. She basically talks about the platforming mechanics, uh, the princess trope, all those things, and how the game, like, holds up in some ways in terms of, like, gameplay, but in maybe it's messaging, it doesn't. Um, it's, a, it's a cool little uh, read, and I would say you put your eyes to it, but the bigger takeaway is the neat suite here, or the hot take, if you will, uh, where the creator of Earthworm Jim, Ten Nepal, is that his name? Ten Naple? Let me, let me take a look. Ten, yeah, Kevin's great at this. Ten Naple. Ten Naple. Uh, he basically came out on Twitter and responded to Heather Alexandra, a uh, transgender female, and said, Heather, you're a good man and entitled to your opinion. If you ever want to go into why we created the way we did in the 90s, let's chat. Um, there was a second tweet um, asking, yeah, I guess, Nine Volt. Because people were like, oh, I think he was just mistaken. Yeah. or So didn't... I'm pulling this from Nine Volt, essentially. Um, he said, here's the creator of Earthworm Jim purposefully misgendering a game journalist because she wrote an article critical of his game. That's where the first tweet came in. And then he says, yes, it was intentional. To which Ted Nepal uh, responded with, the ability to change one name is a fact, but nobody can change their sex. So. I'm still astounded how fantastically shitty a person can be given only 140 characters like it just in one tweet it's like wow you're a piece of shit <laughs> thanks well twitter proves that more than any platform yeah. I think that people can be shitty in less words than more life finds a way <laughs> unfortunately find a way mm-hmm. so well one i haven't thought about Earthworm Jim in at least 24 years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thank you, Heather, for... <laughs> yeah, for bringing it back into the spotlight. <laughs> like, actually, Ten Naple over there. Yeah. Like, Ten Naple, that's Ten, a weird... Fucking name. Yeah, that's a fucking name. It's like 80 uh, Should be thanking Heather for uh, having any spotlight pointed on that fucking game. When's the last time we talked about Earthworm Jim? On air, never. On air? Yeah. Never? M- in- maybe, like, 20 minutes ago when we compared it to... Uh, there we go. <laughs> sundered. Alright, actually, edit that out. Okay. Edit me talking about editing it out <laughs> as well. And then, then the circle's complete. <laughs> I think this is important, though, because she's a pretty notable voice in games media, especially for Kataka. She's, like, one of the main writers. And for somebody to come out and blatantly, like, disrespect her on a platform where she's kind of, like, reveled in and people kind of go to her for news, I don't know. It just speaks on a level of disrespect and, uh, I, don't, I don't know another word to use. Assholery? Bigotry? Is assholy? Yeah. Assholiness? Does this guy work on Tales now? Yeah. Isn't that his, like, <laughs> his main jam? Like, he, he, he pirates, pilots that ship. Okay, cool. I'm glad that, you know, his opinions are so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I want to say that she wasn't even necessarily saying it was a bad game. Like, she was praising it for all the good that it did and the trends that it set along the way for further games. But No, it was like any article that's kind of a retrospective uh, should be, kind of weighs how it is now and what it did then. You know, a fair shake, as we would call it in the writing world. We don't call it that, I just call it that. Uh... And then you just have this guy come in 
and fucking add this other element that wasn't even necessarily a criticism about her writing or anything. He was just like, let me find a personal element about you and actively attack it. Cool. That's a very schoolyard way to go about it there, 10 Naple. <laughs> fucking, let, let, let's start reviewing your VeggieTales and see. Well, just do a whole fucking podcast about what that. What is VeggieTales? VeggieTales is about Christianity and vegetables. Yeah, biblical allegories told that, through vegetables and song. So are you really surprised that a person who works on a biblical cartoon is being a big dummy about gender and sex? Like That's a good point, actually. <laughs> Would this inform a future uh, veggie adventure? Is, is God, the main hope question? Not. Oh, fuck. We have a lot, there's a lot to stew on Ooh, here, isn't there? The, the we gotta steam it like our broccoli. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Uh, <laughs> the problem is that there's so much to unpack because <laughs> there's, there are obviously a lot of issues with this and you can point to a lot of different things within the industry and within the community that all sort of help inform like the context of this behavior. We've seen it so many times in so many different ways from so many different people. You see uh, a lot of backlash towards game journalists across the board, men, women, non-binary, what have you, whenever they criticize anything. Uh, You also see that the backlash, particularly towards women, tends to be a very different kind of backlash. It tends to have a very different tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of men in games journalism who get backlash for their opinions, but it always comes out differently. It's far rarer for their gender to be what is pointed out as what's wrong with them, whereas mm-hmm. with women in games journalism or in the gaming industry, usually that's one of the first things that's pointed to. Whether it's just because they're women or because they're trans or because whatever, usually that comes up pretty early in the arguments to dismiss them. Uh, But again, like there's so much to unpack. There's so much here that we've seen so many different times in so many different ways that, uh, gosh, there's a lot to talk about. It's almost like they treat, like, sex or gender or preference as, like, a symptom of a problem. It's like, no, that's who they identify as. It shouldn't even be brought into the conversation. And it's these people, these men who feel entitled and have that condescending tone about them that, like, okay, I can rein that in and tear apart their argument or whatever informed opinion they have. And it's like, really, it shouldn't be on the table. It shouldn't matter. Well, and the fact (laughs) that it's so prevalent across the board, you see it happen in so many different instances Mm -hmm. from so many different people. It really is just somehow ingrained in the culture and it goes back a long way and you see it come up from different people across the world these aren't isolated incidents and i think that it is it is it is a symptom of a greater problem Mm -hmm. that is the symptom that Mm -hmm. is well a symptom and disease and just yeah i agree big takeaway Earthworm Jim sucks. They're just, they're, they're, they're bad now. <laughs> the only reason it was funny back then is because we were probably little kids who didn't think twice about the dumb jokes. Yeah. There was a cartoon though, wasn't there? There, there was. was. I actually yeah. remember it was, the theme it was song. It was okay, wasn't it? Still to this day. 
God, I, I thought the guys that did the Tick Earth made that cartoon. Jimmy. Huh? It looked very similar to the Tick cartoon. It might have been similar animation yeah. teams, right. but mm-hmm. I don't think it was the exact same people. They had the the they had the same voice actor for Homer Simpson in that show. Oh, As Earth, who? Earthworm Jim, I think. Really? I'm pretty sure. I know he was in that show. I don't know if he was Earthworm Jim, though. Oh. Well. I just remember I watched like a special. I'm like, oh, I like The Simpsons. That's cool. I was very young. So, playing off of what you're saying, especially uh, of core symptoms that are plaguing our gaming culture and community as well, there was another event that I wanted to talk about, and while... The dust has certainly not cleared because it's something that just erupted over the weekend. I do want to kind of identify a portion of it and kind of suss that out, I guess you could say. But to give a kind of refresher about what's going on, it involves a uh, the video producer that works over at Polygon named Nick Robinson. And I know a lot of people are very familiar with his work. He's done a lot of shows, especially with the... Uh, with Griffin McElroy. He does a podcast called Cool Games Inc. Uh, together they do a show called Touch of Skyrim. Uh, they used to do Carboys. Now they're doing another show that I forget the fucking name of, but it's essentially Carboys with other video games. Uh, Nick has been a prominent figure in gaming for a while, as well as a lot of his uh, co-workers and peers in at Polygon itself. Um, so what's happening... Uh, is that he's being faced with allegations of sexual harassment and more so to the degree that he has said lewd, untoward, and just basically disgusting shit toward uh, uh, women in gaming, uh, whether it be through DMs or what have you. Now, uh, we don't have specific examples because, well, that is the victim's business is what is trying to be illustrated right now. That is their business. People are looking for, and I hate this phrase, by the way, people are looking for receipts. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? I haven't heard that before in my life. Looking. Oh, jeez. Trevor exploded when he heard receipts. Um, <laughs> I just get so upset. <laughs> it's his trigger word. Is, is, that, is that like internet nomenclature? Like yes. we're looking for them receipts? Yep. Like what the fuck? I heard it for the first time that is, yeah. that is discourse culture yeah. right there. That is, that is the discourse. Um, really odd, and I... Really gross. So a lot... Okay, so first of all, before... Let's get a little more backstory here. Uh, A lot of people that have supported Nick or are fans of him on a consumer basis, and let's keep that in mind. These aren't people that are his friends or anything. People are saying, like, hey, we're looking for those receipts because, how you know, we need you to prove this, and da-da-da-da. And I think uh, in this instance, I won't speak for everyone, but I think... The fact that they enjoy his content, or maybe even to a degree his personality, uh, is getting in the way with like, hey, you don't know him as a person, you don't know what he does behind the scenes. So that that's the gist of it. Um, as far as like kind of talking about, thank you, vehicle. Uh, as far as talking about, we're in the elements, man. I'm sorry, guys. We're we're actually recording uh, beneath an underpass. Uh, under an underpass? Is that redundant? That's, right. that's redundant. You're yeah. right. Thank you for editing. Well, you can't say in the underpass. Like, you have to... Actually, where I lived, people would live in the underpass. Yes, homeless people. Uh-huh. Or For at sure. the underpass. No, no you have to be you... under the underpass. You can't be okay. inside of... No, no, we're trying to say... No, you're under hatch. the overpass. There's a hatch that you can get into yeah. uh, the underpass. Oh, never mind. Yeah. So it's like, corrected. what would you call that? You know, yeah. that's That a is different, in, okay. That's a different podcast about yeah. living, okay. living, living under the underpass. Anyway. Anywho... 
Uh, for me, it's not necessarily pointing out whether or not these allegations are true. I will say, having been on even an outer circle of the gaming industry, and I don't mean podcasting, I do mean I, I worked in merchandising for a number of years, I've heard things too, uh, but I, that's not necessarily the point. The point that we, I want to bring up and talk about and discuss with you guys is uh, harassment itself in the, our culture and our community and more about how we can respond to it and whether or not kind of like this public ousting through a very central figure in games journalism and games media is one of those correct avenues. Mm-hmm. Like, hey... Uh, so I, I just want to talk about that, and uh, or even how people in power like use their position for things like that, for mm-hmm. more sinister means of like requesting nudes or being inappropriate or overstepping boundaries. Like it happens a lot in the industry, and it shouldn't. I think that would happen in any industry. Yeah, that's true. Is, yeah. is, is one thing that we can identify. Too. But I've seen it. I've heard. I've never seen it. I've heard accounts of it happening a lot in like the cosplay community, where like photographers will use that as like a, a stepping stone to take advantage of like Absolutely. cosplay girls and so fans. I also wanted to. So this was a, this is kind of spurred from a discussion that we were having at uh, dinner last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, Alicia, Trevor, Morgan, Daniel's dead. Um, mm-hmm. We were talking about where you kind of made this comment that really resonated. Where it's like when I when I said I wanted to talk about this subject, you're like, "Cool, three white guys talking about <laughs> harassment uh, toward women." Yeah, I'm sure your opinion's great. And I was just like, <laughs> I was like, okay. Come on now, with the claws. But at the same time, I'm like, that's incredibly valid. It's true. Because we have such a narrow perspective on this event because, well, we are white guys. We don't we don't get the brunt of this. I've only heard stories secondhand, especially with Morgan, who's been working at conventions for a number of years. Some of the stories that you come home with, I'm just like, that's fucking disgusting. But at the same time, I recognize that would never happen to me. Mm-hmm. Or, or here's the worst thing. If I was there with you, the likelihood of something like that occurring is down by like Very more than half. Absolutely. You know, so I, I think that's crazy. So I think I wanted to get you guys in, in on the conversation because you, I feel like your perspective is much more illuminating on this subject than like what I could mm-hmm. do because I'm, I feel like I'm on the outside in essentially. Yeah. This would be like the third or fourth time we've talked about harassment in the mm-hmm. industry. And like we, I think like, we're, we're allowed to talk about it to an extent and shine light on people and talk about things we can do and what's inappropriate and not, but like as people who have not been in that position, we we lack a certain perspective. I want to talk about it. I want to shine a light on it. I want people to hear it, but I also understand that uh, my perspective isn't enough. Mm-mm. That's how I feel. It just isn't enough. I think that, and again, this is, uh, we did spoke, speak about this earlier, how I am absolutely in favor of you guys talking about it, though. Like, really, truly. Because that's when you hear about it. When you when there is a guy who chimes in, who has something to say. When a guy has an experience. When, it's, when something happens to a guy, when it comes out of his mouth. Generally, that's when people notice. And, again... There's a lot to it. There's a lot to unpack with but that, and there's a lot of reasons behind it. Of a bigger it. problem where it's like exactly. it shouldn't have to come from a guy's mouth. It should be able to come from anybody's exactly. mouth. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But that's one thing that I'm absolutely in favor of yeah. guys who do see that there's an issue and do see that there's something to talk about. Guys, it is on you to bring it up because when women do, instead of people being like, oh shit, that happened. Oh my god, that happened. Instead, you get receipts. Where, where are your receipts? How did this happen? Are, are you sure that happened? Well, prove you know, it. It's, and and you don't get that when guys talk about it. And again, 
There's a lot to that. There's a lot of reasons for that. We could sit here all day and discuss well, that. But. What's crazy to me is people, I, a lot of the males in his fan base are coming forward and be like, where are the receipts? You know, we need proof before we can jump to conclusions. Like, I'm in the same boat. Like, I would like to have proof. But you don't need unsubstantial evidence to know that this guy is an asshole. You can look at the conversation that kind of started this whole thing and see where he could kind of maybe jump off. Well, just the and simple fact that conversations are happening, it's not just like, oh, that, that's just a lot of hearsay rather yeah. than a little hearsay. No, the fact that these conversations are happening is enough. To, it, exactly. It, it, so there, there, there's a problem to be identified, and on uh, Polygon's part, uh, his boss has actually tweeted out something, uh, I believe his name is Chris Brandt, saying that mm -hmm. uh, he's taking these allegations very, very seriously, and currently Vox Media has suspended uh, Nick while they actually investigate the matter, which is, a lot of people are applauding that decision, mm -hmm. uh, because it, it's not them just saying, like, well, he's a star, he's one of our own, we're protecting him, it's yeah. not, we're not seeing what we've seen in other communities, uh, I don't want to name specific examples, but we haven't seen where it's like, there's no... Well, hey, he's under, he's behind the fence with us. We're gonna figure this out together. No, they're literally saying Nick is the issue currently. Mm -hmm. He needs to be outside of this while we figure it out from within. And I think that is a good method uh, on a professional basis to identify this. But they've been getting a lot of applause from that, and from uh, Griffin McElroy for kind of coming forward and addressing it. Um, they're he, getting a lot of respect for. He that. addressed it, and he was very vague with it. And I liked the fact that he was vague because he said that, like, well, this is an ongoing issue, and there are real people involved, and it's happening in real time, and we need to be respectful of that rather than saying like, hey, we're. Where are those receipts? Hey, why don't you come forward and tell us exactly what happened? And it's mm -hmm. like, no, it's fucked up. That's that's not where we're at with that. Sorry, it's not. It, it, okay, it happened on a public level, us finding out, but it's not a gossip thing. It's not a tabloid conversation. This is. Uh, I think we we need to focus more on the issue at hand than it is the circumstance and personalities involved. Absolutely. I think that another thing to to take away from this and with how people are responding to it, if you care about the quality and the integrity of your community, of your industry, of the people that you associate with, about the things that the different elements that make up your life, your community, your hobbies, if you care about the integrity and quality of those things, then you should care when people within the community have concerns. You should care that you are holding the people that you admire to a higher standard. And know that as the general public, we are not privy to the receipts. We are not privy to the finer details of the investigation. We're not, you know, that's not our job. What is our job as members of the community and people in the industry to whatever degree we're in, what our responsibility is, is holding people to the higher standard. We aren't part of the investigation, but we are part of the community that needs to take away something from this. And we need to decide, is this what we want our community to be plagued by? Are these the kinds of behaviors that we want to find ways to excuse or accept or, you know, our job is, as part of the community, is building the community and make sh making sure that, you know, we take responsibility for ourselves and for our friends, that we hold ourselves and others to better standards 
for the community. We're all in this together. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Accountability goes a long way in this industry, mm-hmm. and it's important to hold people to, like you said, the standards. Um, Kevin and I always talk about how the video game industry is kind of nascent. Like, if you want to look at it mm-hmm. as a community, like, video games have been around, like, what, since, like, the 70s? Um, but, like, as a community, I feel like it really didn't take place until like uh atari or nes and that's when the community kind of started building you found consoles in every home and there was more of like a, a think space for it and people to talk I about mean, things to, to be fair but, it, it, gaming in the gaming community at large was still considered fringe well into like the, the 2000s, 2000s. Yeah. but like holy shit but i'm saying like in comparison to other industries like the sports industry the music industry like it's still it's still new mm-hmm. um but i think with that um we have a lot of forward thinkers and younger minds where we're not stuck in that old boy mindset where it's like sexism has to be prevalent racism has to be prevalent like we have a lot of progressives where it's like no it doesn't have to be this way we can hold people accountable we can move forward and we can build a better community off of that because we're so in its early stages we can shape it we can we can say this is the path that we want to go toward if you love what we're doing if you love being a part of this community we still have a say right now rather yeah. than just like there's other communities and other fandoms where it's like or being like this is what it's always been it has to be that exactly. way it's like, it doesn't exactly. have to be that way no so. absolutely not well and and along those same lines though like it's it's definitely one thing to talk about issues like this and um, and, and kind of get that awareness out there that maybe people aren't aware of how shitty the community is, how shitty the industry is right now. Because it is kind of shitty. Like, mm-hmm. there are a good chunk of us that are that are not shitty, but there's also a good chunk that are, and those are the ones that are kind of still in positions that are influential. Um, but that's slowly changing. But what I think is more important than 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 just talking about it and and kind of getting on our soapboxes is also putting those feelings those opinions into action as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. I think if you're if you are in a space where you are with a group of people and you see something like that in that environment that is centered around not even around video games really like like it's it is an issue every everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, is is to speak up there and do something about it. You know, obviously there are certain things where like you don't want to do something that's extremely unsafe for yourself or the per- people involved. But you know, if if it's something like that, call an authority. You know, get get someone else involved that that has more of a impact that can do that. But like just leaving it go, leaving harassment go, leaving that kind of stuff to continue without literally doing nothing. And then going home and then typing on Twitter about how much you hate it, mm-hmm. like, like, that's almost worse in my opinion is to not do anything, and then yell about it online. And I, I think that's the biggest issue is there's a lot of talk, which is good. Awareness is good, but like not as much action. Awareness only goes so far. Actually, Awareness yeah. only goes yeah. so I agree far. with you saying like a million percent. Actually, this is a point that we we talked about earlier, where it's just like remember when we were talking about a. Uh, harassment in esports mm-hmm. and it was like this is happening and it's prevalent and one person uh, a female member of the community actually spoke out and wrote this kind of manifesto saying here's what the fuck i've seen here's what's happening here's what you guys can do to help mm-hmm. and people instead just shit piled on her yeah instead i think it was niha setri she did like a whole piece on uh, conduct mm-hmm. and gaming based on her in the super smash brothers community yeah. right uh, was that the one who did the ted talk yeah yeah it was I a really really, was a really good piece yeah they they were shit piled instead, which is a crazy reaction to it. I'm just like, what? If on there can't be so few people that think 
alike where it's like, hey, that's not okay what's happening to her. Well, the experiences that she is having in our community are not okay. So I believe in that. You need to say something. You need to go up and be like, what you're doing is fucked up. Let, let me put it in as broad a terms as possible, as easy for people to digest. Go up and say, that's not cool. That can't keep on happening. But people are just <laughs> letting it slide. Well, yep. Look at the Especially in friend now. groups, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like friend groups are like the worst offenders yeah. because you have these friends that you've grown up playing these games with or grown up in whatever environment with and you're too afraid to possibly damage that friendship to tell that friend who's being shitty to stop being so shitty and and you know it, it, it's it's a little bit harder to do that with strangers because you don't know what they're they might be capable of but i feel like it's just as important to do it there as well as with friends who you may you may end up losing those friends because they're just being shitty but like you need to say something well is it a big loss at that point? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You find a lot of people coming forward, um, especially in, like, in lieu of Gamergate, and like people like taking a stance on things, and they they are in the right to take a stance on harassment or sexism in the industry, and when they do, they get doxxed. They get outed. Mm -hmm. They get death threats. Like, you, you, I agree a million percent with Kevin and you and everybody in this room that like you should say something, but like I feel like there's such caustic nature in the gaming community where people feel like they can't come forward because they will be threatened, they will be outed in ways. And that's a very good it's point. Unsafe. One of the uh, <laughs> tweets in response to Robinson's situation was that if you're truly wondering why there aren't receipts, take a closer look because these women that come out paint a target on themselves, mm -hmm. and that is not the way it should be. But to, to feel like, hey, I'm not safe in my own environment, my own community, and the thing that I love and the passion that I do, but the moment that I, f I feel like I'm going to speak out that suddenly it becomes worse for me is insane. That's absolutely insane, and I hate that, and I hate that, that, that that's what it is right now. That what needs to be changed, and we need to start making... I feel like this, this situation is good because it's a very high-level example. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it is a, yeah, high-level example is a perfect way to put it because these things happen constantly, all the time, mm -hmm. just all the time, just full stop. Mm -hmm. And the fact that there's suddenly a really, really uh, high-profile person who is drawing attention to it, who suddenly it's making a lot of people uh, think about how maybe it's... The fact that there's such a high-profile person who is at the epicenter of this event is important. It's important because mm -hmm. I would like to see, for once, the the attention on harassment not be on the victim, not be on them giving receipts, not be on what they went through, but actually on the perpetrator. And that so rarely ever happens. Uh, I know that, you know, and the thing is, when it is from the victim... That's when people dogpile. That's when people don't believe it. Mm -hmm. It only... And there's a lot of things that need to change in our community and need to grow in our community before we start actually listening to women. <laughs> because, uh, I mean... Take that. When yeah. things have been... Gosh. I'm going to give you a lot of work. It's fine. You, I have, we have <laughs> you and Morgan here as a, like different perspectives and different voices that yeah. are important. Like we need that female voice. We need to hear your, your what? thoughts and mm -hmm. it's a, yes. as important as ours, if not more important in, in this situation. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do think that it is very telling when things happen to women, there's always a, Oh shit, that sucks. Mm -hmm. 
or a, oh man, I'm sorry. Like there's sympathy, but no one is surprised ever. Uh, Morgan has been to so many conventions and she has seen some shit. Yeah. And I used to stream on Twitch. I had to stop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we tell our experiences and when we tell our stories, it's always like, oh, yikes. Yeah. yeah. But no one's ever surprised. Uh, well, no. I mean, I've heard stories from you on conventions. I've heard uh, on the fray stories about people on Twitch and, mm-hmm. and, you know, to hear that you said that, like, let us know, like, what are these things that you're coming across? What are things that could be done about them? Honestly, it's a matter of the community yeah. stepping up. If you see shitty people saying shitty things, like, like, at a certain point, it reflects on everyone in the community. You can't say, well, I would never say that. Well, I would never do that. I'm a nice guy. That doesn't count for shit if you don't hold the rest of the community up to those standards. You are letting everyone else bring the whole community down, and it does reflect on you. And at a certain point, you can't say, well, I would never do that, because no, you're complicit. You're part of the problem by just sitting back and not letting it be your issue. If this is your community, if this is your industry, if this is what you want to be part of, be responsible, take ownership. Take pride in the community and expect better of it. I had to quit streaming because it got real gross. I didn't like the things that people were saying. And it didn't matter if I said, oh, yikes, gross, don't, you know. And I'd try to play it off because this was kind of in the thick of a lot of Gamergate stuff. And I didn't want... I decided it was safer for me to stop than it was to try and stand up for myself. And that is a fucking problem. I feel like if you did st- stand up for yourself, you would be backlashed immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I know that for you, you've been in very dangerous situations because you, you're you in conventions. Right. You're there physically. You can't just turn off. I can't leave my booth. I can't go get somebody because like, if I do, I, I'm, I'm by myself most of the time. Like, mm-hmm. I've had so many instances where I was by myself and I was not, I wouldn't say defenseless, but, like, isolated, in a, in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I had no help. Yeah. And I had to, like, deal with this on my own, and that's fine. But still, like, I just, it's bad. It shouldn't be that way. It should not. It I should not be that way. I shouldn't have to work a convention by myself and be scared. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to make sure, like, you flag down enforcers and make sure, like, you know who who's running the, the convention. You shouldn't have to take inventory of what staff is nearby just in case things get bad. Right. That's, that speaks to such a big problem. The, the- it sounds like you have to just go out in public and enjoy a thing. You have to reinforce a steel cage in case a shark's going to show up because undoubtedly a shark is going to show up. Absolutely. That fucking is, is a crazy concept to me because that's something I haven't encountered personally, but I recognize it's something that's happened. I've had to actually intervene in a situation specifically at a convention that was really fucking gross and did I did not enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, fe- I felt like, okay... This person who's coming up to me uh, is doesn't feel safe. There's another person here who is actively, he, again, not naming anything, not not trying to get into specifics, but he he worked at that convention. Mm. Like, could you? Yeah. So your safety net gets ripped apart right there. You know, like he works for them. They I've may side the same, with this guy. I've had the same instance where mm-hmm. a person working at a convention 
was the predator. Yeah. They were security at that said convention, <laughs> and they were the predator. Wow. That's disgusting. I mean, because yeah. the the problem with the broad nerd industry where it crosses over between conventions and the comics and the anime and the video games that all inform those conventions... The problem is that the industry and the community bleed over so much, and the problems in both. Like, there is some deep-rooted sexism and, and misogyny in the industry. There is some deep-rooted sexism and misogyny in the community, and when they bleed over, there are no checks and balances. No one's stopping each other. The, the people that you would trust to, to step in, they're the problem. And that's one thing that's really, really kind of nerve-wracking about these communities, these industries, is because, honestly, like, unless you really know someone, like, really, really well, and even then, they can surprise you, for the most part, I tend to just kind of try and trust women and try and have women around to back me up because, yeah... Uh, Safety numbers. I mean, that, and you don't know who's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Unless you know someone mm -hmm. really well, and again, even then, they can surprise you. Whether they're industry, whether they're community, whether they're friends that you play online with, whether they're the people in the industry who you admire, you don't really know who to trust anymore. I think that's a lot of, uh, to, to kind of <laughs> go back to the situation at hand, a lot of people are... Sh a lot of Nick Robinson's cohorts and previous uh, peers, uh, you know, whoever worked with him on, like, a, he had an old podcast he used to work on, was it Rep 3 mm -hmm. as well, are shocked. They're upset right now because they're just like, well, he's a friend of ours. And this is what happened. And this is what's happening. And this is it. And someone even said that, somebody that worked in a podcast with him said that, I hate this podcast now because I feel like it was the excuse people had to not come up to me and yeah. tell me what was actually going on. Yeah. And that's fucked up. He's like, I, w I wish, I, like, I'm done with this podcast. It's dead to me. And if this was the excuse or the reason that people wouldn't identify this issue to me in the first place, that sucks and it breaks my heart. And, that, th yeah, it goes into what you're saying. You just don't know who to trust and it really shouldn't feel like that. It I'm, I'm really glad that the conversation is going this direction, though. Usually in instances when harassment comes up, it doesn't go in this direction. It doesn't go in the direction of people uh, people being upset on behalf of the victims. It's, this is, I mean, it's happened before, but it's really nice to see that there are so many people out there who are uh, taking stances that this isn't what they want their legacy to be, that this isn't what they want their company to be, that this isn't what they want their friends group to be. And I think that it's very important that the conversation is going this way because, again, there's that cycle of the community and the industry bleeding over so much. If it starts with people in the industry and people who are prominent names putting their foot down, that's important. That's the progress we need to see. Well, perfect. a perfect example of a situation similar to this going the complete wrong direction was the last time something big like this happened in the industry, and that's what Gamergate spawned from. Mm -hmm. You know, like, literally the wrong reaction happened, the more prominent reaction, I should say, uh, happened regarding that whole situation, and, and 
I think this situation is going in the better direction this time around. Mm -hmm. um, but but like like it, it is it is I, I feel like having that perspective from that, which is several years ago now. Well, like four years ago, right? Three or I four would years say, ago, yeah. four at this point. Four, yeah. Like like, and that was like a big thing. Like people are still using the words gamergate or gamer gators Correct. to this day. Like mm -hmm. that's how big it was in the industry. People are still identifying as that. They're yeah. still yeah. waving mm -hmm. that banner. Proudly, too. Yeah. Um, yep. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping this is kind of the antithesis of that, and, and it kind of, if not just balances the scales, it, it pushes us or propels us in a more positive direction because these conversations are happening this way. I don't know if it helps that it's also that, that segment of the community where, like, I guess... Polygon and the McElroys, they have a bit healthier following, like mm -hmm. less caustic people are, you know, riding their coattails and you have people who are more responsive to like political and social changes and things that matter. So I don't know, like if it maybe took place like with a different head and a different corner of the industry, if we, we oh, would have a gosh, different response. it could have been bad. You know? Yeah. It could have been very bad because well, we've seen that. We yeah. have seen instances of that and it's never worked out well. And I do think that the fact that it did happen within this particular group is very important to the direction that this went because uh, one thing that is well to, to be fair we don't quite know the full it's ha it's been less no, than twenty four no, hours and that's so. why I'm not saying like directly that anything has happened we yeah. are privy to that information uh, I the direction currently is positive but like the direction currently is positive it is I take a lot of heart knowing that a lot of people are responding with. Uh, you know, and they're responding tactfully, mm -hmm. as they should. We aren't privy to the, the finer details of what's going on in the investigation. Mm -hmm. They aren't in a position to be telling us. But the fact that people seem to be responding very respectfully and very much with a... Regardless of what comes out of the investigation, people are taking a hard stance that this isn't what they want their community to be and that is very important and I know that before everyone started making their statements I was really nervous because you don't want to know that everyone you admire excuses that behavior you don't want to know that the people who you whose content you consume whose paychecks you help fund are you know dangerous to your place in your own community mm -hmm. you don't want that it's it's heartbreaking and the fact that more and more people are responding respectfully and responding with you know again we don't get to know what happened we don't get to see the receipts but the fact that people are making a hard stance that what that we can't let that happen in our community, that we don't want that, that we don't want for that to be what this company is about, that we don't want what this content is about. That's very important, and that's the kind of conversation that needs to happen every time this comes up. Mm -hmm. I mean, allegations, investigations, those are best handled by the people who handle them, not by the peanut gallery, but the peanut mm -hmm. gallery, we have our own responsibility and the people in charge addressing the issue to the peanut gallery have a responsibility. We need to reinforce what we do want 
our, you know, our lives, our fandoms, our friends, what we want our values to be. I agree with that. I, I love that this conversation that's occurring isn't about people kind of segmenting themselves between whether or not he did the things that he allegedly did. It's more about, okay, it's bringing up the issue harassment in our industry. Let's, what's our stance on that? Yeah. It isn't about like, oh yeah, well, I'm with Nick. I'm mm-hmm. not with, no. No victim that. blaming. That's not the conversation to have. That's stupid. And that's worse. And that's honestly what I expected. I almost yeah, expected. absolutely. I expected that's absolutely. exactly what, what's be happening, and I, I think to a degree it may be happening in like you know in sub tweets and oh, whatnot. Pe- people are taking mm. their stances. Mm. It's happening, but it's the fact n- that it's not mm. the prevailing conversation is right. Important. It's not about taking sides. It's about what happens when people don't feel safe in your community. How do we react? What is our course of action? What's the conversation we need to be happening? And I'm so. Happy to see this community finally like approach the direction that I feel I'm like. I'm so it disappointed should. it's taken this long. Yeah. I'm so disappointed that it could because again, people have been having this conversation for a long time, but Correct. it has been ignored or it has been swept ed- under the rug. Swept yeah. under the rug or ended in death threats and doxing. You like know. the conversation has been happening. But just mm-hmm. I'm glad to see it taking off the way it is, and. My fingers are crossed that it doesn't wind up the way that it has in the past with death threats and stalkers, <laughs> but... You never know how certain individuals are going to react or behave. They make it their own. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those are the wild cards that you have to watch out for. We're 48 hours in to... This podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fact. <laughs> situation is still developing and I, I think right now we are have our conversation right now is very optimistic based on what we've seen so far mm-hmm. and there's still a lot more to happen and a lot more that that can develop from this and I am just hoping that it remains the direction that it has been going where people are talking and people are being uh, are, are discussing it in a healthy and productive way and I'm very optimistic with how this has started and I mm-hmm. hope it continues that way. Absolutely. I think in the last year, we've seen a lot of uh, good instances of accountability of people stepping out of place and doing things wrong, whether it's popular Twitch streamers or people in the community or what have you. Um, I think we're making good strides, you know? I wouldn't have said that a few months ago, (laughs) Yeah. but... I I would say maybe, I'll cite instances, you have like the things that happen with popular uh, Twitch streamers where they're saying things they shouldn't be. You have the thing with JonTron. You have the thing with PewDiePie. You have the things of harassment. And, like, I I love that that's a career move now, by the way, which is, like, get super popular on YouTube, then turn into a racist troll. Unleash the beast. Yeah. Uh. Unleash the beast. The point is, there is a level (laughs) of accountability now. Yeah. In the past few months. I, I can't say people are behaving better, but at least people are being held accountable. You know? People are watching for it now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. People are watching for it, and the excuses that people started making at the very beginning, they didn't hold water then, and they're holding even less now, and the more people keep on giving their half-assed excuses, the less people are listening. hmm Yeah. And I know that, you know, most of my interaction with the community is behind a screen, I'm That's hoping... most of most of everybody, Well, yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of people, like Morgan, yeah. very, very involved physically in convention yeah. scenes and at, you know, events and 
I mean, right. Do you, do you do you think are you hopeful that it's going to start bleeding over into physical spaces that these sort of conversations are going to actually manifest IRL? That's the hope, honestly, but um what's the reality for you? Not likely. Hmm. I feel like when you're at a convention, like me, lone female at a booth, tiny girl. Tiny girl. I am there for you is what they think. And that, and in that instance, I become whatever the fuck they want me to be. So they can say whatever the fuck they want to say to me. And that's not okay. Mm-hmm. No one is around to tell them that it's not okay except for myself. And if I say anything, I will get backlash immediately. Mm-hmm. I want to see that change completely around, but it also depends on the convention itself. Mm-hmm. Every convention is different. Every, every instance I go to is completely different. Mm-hmm. But if there's any way to turn that around, I would look towards public figures. You know, like, if you see them saying something and if you see them actually doing stuff, that's going to change the whole game completely. And that's what I hope for. Yeah. But that's really not, in this instance, it's not likely. So you feel like it's better for uh, a situation like this or, I I guess, uh, the more endemic problem to start from the top and work its way down? In this instance, in IRL... Yes. Mm -hmm. Because, like, if someone comes up to you and says, like, that's not cool, like, which I've done before, it doesn't resonate with them. It just bounces off because I'm just a lone female. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. But if their fucking YouTube hero suddenly says, that's fucked up. It would resonate a lot more. Also sad. Would it resonate more if it was a popular YouTuber or streamer that was female, though? No, because no. we've seen the backlash, what happens to them. Yep. We have seen it. That's why it's extremely important why us dudes need to speak up more. Use Going your, back to my it, point that I said yeah, earlier. Using a phrase that I think a lot of people in these communities have a visceral reaction to, use your fucking privilege. Mm-hmm. You guys have the privilege yep. of being white dudes the the immediate backlash the immediate the the immediate arguments to shut you down that people doing these things would have for you would have for us mm-hmm. they don't apply to you you guys are the least harassed demographic in the community you are the most listened to demographic in the community you tend to hold the most power in these spaces please use it to help everyone else get on the same playing ground. You have the ability to use your power for good. Please do. Because I've got a lot to say, but nobody's going to listen to me. Until, well, eventually. Fingers crossed, knock on wood, eventually. I (laughs) hate the things I've seen. And I'm not even talking about, like, oh, some random shitlord in the middle of a convention decided to, you know say something fucking terrible. I mean to say, people that I've worked with, people that mm-hmm. for 90% of their day are totally okay and fine, and then 10% is, holy fuck, what is this bile dribbling out of your goddamn mouth? Yeah. And I've run into instances despite my, and I do, I do completely appreciate and do see that I have a level of privilege that is not accessible to different demographics or even different genders, which is un- not just unfortunate, it, it's fucking upsetting. Mm-hmm. That that's the case. 
but that's that's an entirely <laughs> different issue. But it, it still, but it plays into it. But I have seen it where I've had moments where I go like, "That's not okay," or "That's mm-hmm. not a that's a weird way to think." And then they think I'm joking. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've yeah. had that where it's just like, "No, it's just this, this is just how it is," and I'm like. Why is that how it is? Who told you that, that that that's okay how it is? And then they go back to this reinforcement of like my brother, mm-hmm. my 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 father makes this joke, or my cousin makes this joke, or my friends. This is how we talk. This is just boys well. Then being your boys. friends have a shitty sense of humor. And it's it's that's so it. it's so hard to break people out of this kind of this cemented world mentality that they have because it's like this is the way it is, and it's like. You do understand the way it is is not working for everyone. In fact, it makes people feel uncomfortable. In fact, even just a tiny joke, spitballs and snowballs into something much worse. It makes it reinforces somebody else's terrible, shitty fucking belief. Mm-hmm. And then they enact on it where you wouldn't, where you feel like you're a good person, where you feel like you're okay, where you feel like, hey, not all men. Oh. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. God. <laughs> the banshee scream of the two women in the room. <laughs> and it's it's so hard to inform somebody that hey, even the smallest of your actions, even the smallest fucking joke that you think is harmless, even if you think it's like like you mentioned earlier, Trevor, that in a friend group, for instance, where it's like, oh, we have like one girlfriend, and you know, we we make certain jokes, but it's cool. She's cool with us. That can turn into something so much worse without you realizing. It's all it's part already, of something bigger. It already, it already had by yeah. the point you're even thinking exactly. About it, so yeah, it's it's all part of something bigger. Your friend group is part of a larger community. Your community is part of a larger industry. You are all part of something bigger than yourself. Hold some fucking responsibility for yourself and others because. The world continues on past your friend group, and mm-hmm. the ripples do reach the edges. Be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hold, tell your friends to be better. There we go. Better. Be better. And that's exactly it. Be better. You oh, be better. Yeah. Oh, I'm a nice guy. I don't make those jokes. Well, then be better than that. Stop other people. Mm-hmm. Be better. Whatever the topic is, that should just be a mantra for anything and all things. That's the great thing that we strive for in life, isn't it? Just keep being better. Being acceptable is not enough mm-hmm. when you're part of something bigger than yourself. I think in, in this community, it, it, there are a lot of branches to it, too. It starts with language, the way you talk to each other when you play games. Um, oh, we've gone to this. I fucking hate it Using so the term, much. I don't, I've, my disclaimer mm. here, when somebody says, oh, I'm, I'm going to rape you. It's I've had like, to stop playing with people that said that. I fucking hate that so yeah. much. Whether you're hearing it in stream, whether you're hearing it amongst your peers, like, stop it there, and then you you can stop everything else after that, because it starts with the language, then it goes physical, and then it gets worse from there. Like I worked with somebody in a professional mm-hmm. setting that would use that casually. Yeah, that's, and that's not okay. And that's, and that's, you know, you're seeing it at the top and it, when it's in the industry and again, that bleed over the industry and the community, there's so much bleed over and you see it in both. And one, if one stops, if one improves, it will bleed over to the other. But really, we need to focus on both. We need to hold both sides responsible. We need to hold everyone accountable. You're part of something bigger. If you're playing online, if you're part of an online community, if you are on Twitch or on YouTube, the gaming world 
is no longer isolated experiences. Even if you're playing single player games, you're in some way sharing those with other people online, in forums, on videos, on Twitch, in, in fan communities, physically at conventions. These are not isolated experiences anymore and your personal experiences or your personal stances aren't enough anymore. It reaches beyond that. It, it reaches to the industry, it reaches to your friends, it reaches to the strangers in the convention hall. And we all need to be better for all of those people. I agree. Yeah. Absolutely. We all deserve a better community. Mm -hmm. Not just girls, but y'all are kind of shooting yourselves in the foot too, guys. Like, <laughs> nobody benefits from this bullshit. No, no, no one does. No, it makes everyone look bad. It makes yeah. The community even, look bad even, even you good guys out there, that would never... You look bad right yeah. now. Yeah, no. The, the whole community can be better. Agreed. Fuck, I think that's the best way to cap that one off, yeah. honestly. Yeah. We need to be better. And th this is like the fourth or fifth time we, we've talked about this on the show. Like, because we <laughs> yes, like, there's I hate a it. lot to talk about. Well, there's yeah, a yeah. lot to talk about. The thing about. is, like, we don't want to just talk about video game reviews no. or releases or news. Like, we want to talk about the community. We want this to be that safe place for that to enact change to talk about the things that are wrong and how we can be better. I agree. If you see something, say something. Be better. Be better than your peers. Set okay. an example. Uh, to, to that point, like, see something, say something. We're getting to the point where we need to do something. Do That's something. true. Yeah, we were at the see something, do something. And maybe if, if even if it is just something as hard as ostracizing somebody who's so poisonous in their mentality, even though you, even though they're a part of your life and even though they're a friend, if they cannot be educated and if they're not open to the message that we are trying to deliver to everyone, that may be your only option. It sucks, but sometimes you have to do it. Sometimes the. Mm, this is a different conversation. A little different. <laughs> a, little, a little different. But. but there's a lot to talk about because it reaches across mm -hmm. all levels of, of gaming, of comics, of nerd lifestyle. It overarchs everything. And so there's, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to unpack. We could be here all day. We could. Yeah. But I'm glad <laughs> that something that would not have occurred five, six, seven years ago is that we're capable of actually having this discussion finally, mm -hmm. where I feel like it wasn't happening. It was happening on the fringes. It was happening where it was like, hey, let's talk about this where no one else can hear us because this is the, the norm up here yeah. and down here is where we can finally like ra rabble about this. Like, no, yeah. this, this discussion's happening on a very public level now. I like that. <laughs> I do. It, it needs to. It needs to happen. It needs to be a conversation on the public level. It needs to be action on a public level mm -hmm. but we're moving in the right direction and i really hope it keeps going this way yeah you have a lot to edit <laughs> no I, I don't i, Sorry, I, I actually think like if it if this runs long for the yeah. sake of being informative and helpful and setting a better example fuck it like that's what i want yeah like you said the same thing about us talking about zelda though if one more person will play Majora's Mask because of the words that we dished on this podcast, we're keeping it. <laughs> Same with Resident Evil Two, buddy. Right back at you. I try to rein that in. Thank yeah, you very yeah, much. Okay. Yeah, if you haven't talked about it in like ten episodes, I'm proud of you. But... Don't let him. <laughs> Both those games are fantastic. Yeah, Resident Evil Two and Majora's Mask. Correct. So good. If we can combine our. Anyway, we're getting yeah. off. The <laughs> 
That's the other podcast. That's the other one. (laughs) (laughs) Edit this out. Spoilers. (laughs) I think this is a good wrap-up point. Not on the conversation, because this should be an ongoing conversation. It is ongoing, yeah. But at least with with the episode, I think we definitely made a good enough point, and hopefully this gets enough ears and people feel the effect of change and want to... Do something if different. we could encourage at least like two one or two people, yeah. two people is my max too, yeah. <laughs> to to have this very similar uh, conversation, even if you are on the polar opposite spectrum of what we're discussing or the conclusions that we have kind of come close to making, the fact that you're talking about this is good enough. Mm-hmm. But again, be better than good enough because good enough has only got us so far. If actually it's got us right here, and that's <laughs> <laughs> we can mm. we can do better. But I think that pretty much ties a knot on this episode of The Save Room, episode 26. I have been Kevin. Can I call it episode 26, comrades? <laughs> battle Royale. Battle Royale. Yeah, Battle Royale. Heck in a sec. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Kevin. I'm Daniel. I'm Alicia. Trevor Pepperoni. <laughs> I'm Morgan. And we thank you for your ears. And remember, kids, to save your game. I'm Sick. eating your ears. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> That's a veggie tale for another story. <laughs> <laughs> you said thank you for your ears on the. <laughs>